0: Thank you Be in there. So, uh, real quick, man, I gotta. Go. not in yeah i guess it is
1: I feel like like right yeah that's people would probably get started they'd probably like it it doesn't work very well. no
0: aaron can you help me with that david can you help me Aaron. oh maybe i got it Did you move this? A little bit, maybe. Well, do you? We, I, I don't think so. Okay, yeah, I should probably say. A little bit A little bit up. Just barely. Testing. Sound booth?
2: Good morning, everyone. Please come in and have a seat. It's great to see everyone this morning, and we are excited that we can be here together and worship the Lord. I want to welcome you if you are visiting. I know we have uh, family and friends here today for a baptism that will be at the end of our service. Uh, thank you for coming and uh, joining us in this special event as we see um, several people Um, be baptized today. Just want to welcome you. Thank you for coming. Uh, You should have received a welcome packet if you're visiting with us. Um, I would ask that you take this welcome packet, uh, look over it, um, read the material in here. Inside this welcome packet, there is a little card. If you could please fill that card out and put it in the black box in the back, that would help us tremendously to uh, get to know you, to follow up with you, Uh, To answer any questions you have about our church. Well as you are settling I want to read this morning from Psalm 99 and I want us to uh, hear this call to worship from the Lord. Psalm 99 the Lord reigns let the peoples tremble he is enthroned above the cherubim let the earth shake the Lord is great in Zion he is exalted above all the peoples let them praise your great and awesome name holy is he let me pray as we begin our father as we gather here this morning we come here this morning in acknowledge that you are the god who never changes Lord, you reign, you reign supremely. And Lord, in our um, chaotic and constantly changing world, we thank you that you are um, forever the one who reigns. And Lord, not only that, you are great. You are great in Zion. You are great over all things. And so we worship you this morning. We gather here to do that very thing. Father, we ask that this morning, This service would be a pleasing aroma in your sight. We ask that you would be exalted, that you would be worshipped, that you would receive the honor that is due unto your name. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Good morning. Let's stand, please. And uh, what an exciting day to be in the house of the Lord. We're going to worship today. You you are allowed to clap your hands and stay tuned because the songs kind of flow right into each other would you be free from the burden of sin there's power in the blood power in the blood would you or evil a victory win there's wonderful power in the blood there is power 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 in the blood of the lamb. There is power, power, wonder, working power in the precious blood of the lamb. Would you be wider, much wider than stone? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power. Power In the blood of the Lamb There is power, power, wonder-working power In the precious blood of the Lamb Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? soul cleansing blood of the lamb are your garments spotless are they white as snow are you washed in the blood of the lamb are you walking daily by the savior's side are you washed in the blood of the lamb do you rest each moment in the crucifix are you washed in the blood In the blood of the lamb, there is power, power, wonderworking power. In the precious blood of the lamb. Psalm 42 says, "As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God." For the living God, when shall I
1: come and appear before God?
0: As the deer panteth the water, so my soul
1: Okay, Here we go. I didn't want to use this microphone. I might have to move around a little bit. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we're excited today to rejoice with these dear brothers and sisters who are making the good confession before these witnesses that they have received Jesus and put their trust in him. Give them every needful grace today as they share their testimonies and are obedient to you in this ordinance of baptism. Prepare our hearts now as we come to the word of God. Consider these things. And we consider deeply the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ and why we're here today. And pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Many of the ideas for this short, shorter sermon come from my good friend and mentor, Pastor Lloyd Johnson, who preached a similar sermon and a text years ago at a baptism service at... City's Bible Church. So thank you, Pastor Johnson, for many of these ideas. As we turn this morning to um, the ordinance of baptism, seven dear brothers and sisters will go under the water and come up testifying to having in the past received Christ, and having been cleansed by him by faith alone covered with his perfect righteousness and are here making that confession to you I love Jesus walk with me and so we have a nice little place for baptism in our own building which we're thankful for there's all kinds of water in there and it's 94 degrees can I get an amen Water is such an incredible substance that God has made. It's used for deliverance and life. It's used for destruction and death. In fact, someone in our church, I don't know if they're here, they had a toilet overflow can you guys modulate this a little bit? I'm really sorry. It's really pounding in my probably because I strapped it on wrong or something. And had a toilet overflow and in just overnight as the toilet continued to overflow, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of damage were done by the water. We think of the destruction of hurricanes that pound Florida. We think of New Orleans and what happened to that city a few years ago. Water in the physical world can bring massive destruction and death, but water is also what we shower off with. It cleanses us from filth and stink physically, and frankly, if we don't drink it, we're going to die. So, This is all in the physical realm. It's not surprising to me, then, that water has been used by God in the Scriptures as a symbol for for something very positive. Think of Jesus and the living water that he gives and the cleansing and the picture of cleansing. But in the Bible, too, water is used as a symbol, isn't it, for God's judgment, the judgment of God, both something very positive and something, in that sense, very negative. A symbol of God's righteous judgment upon man's sin. And in a very real, tangible way, this whole world was judged by water. You've heard of the great flood, the judgment of sin upon the earth. And the only survivors were eight people who trusted in the promises of God, built an ark believed God enough to get in the boat and God shut the door and they passed through the waters of God's judgment inside and safe within that ark. God alone had closed the door and they were spared by God's judgment and then the water had cleansed the world after the flood. In the flood, we learn a lot about man and we learn a lot about God. <laughs> we really do. We learn just how sinful man's heart is, and we also find out just how patient and loving God is. Noah preached righteousness for 120 years while he built the boat. God, in his patience, waited 120 years and gave warning to the people to repent and to believe the word of God. So we see the kindness and the patience of God and we see he sent a preacher, we see all of that, but we also see God's righteousness in that account of the flood that he hates sin that he will punish sin and he hates it. But when you think of God hating sin, do not think of yourself. You are not God. The kind of hatred we experience is sinful and uncontrolled, but God's hatred of sin is holy. It's perfectly controlled. It's objective. It's focused on pure justice and righteousness. As one has said, quotes, His hatred is centered upon the absolute necessity for all things to be right or, or straight, perfectly in harmony with himself, absolute perfection. We call this state holiness. So even though that we are are sinful and and we're far from holy, we we have the image of God stamped on us. Every one of us in this room has the image of God stamped on us. We were made by God to be holy. This is a part of who we are. And so there's something inside of you. You know it that wants justice. That wants all things made new. That wants things to be right, things to be straight, things to be ordered. That's written upon the heart of man. That's a sense of right and wrong. It's built into us. It's the image of God. And yes, the image of God has been kind of marred by sin. It's been stifled, but you can't, get rid of it. You can't ruin it. The sin tries to do it, but it cannot. But sin takes this inner image. It takes the conscience. It takes this inner guide where we know right from wrong, where we know that there certainly is a God. We know that He is our creator and it causes us to deny Him, to put Him on the shelf, to ignore Him, to do our own thing, to entertain ourselves to death. For 70 years discounting 70 billion years sin does this to us this is the very heart of it it's rebellion against God rebellion is the problem with man it's not education we've had plenty of education it's not philosophy we've we've been pounded by philosophers over the centuries We've read our philosophy. We've had our education. It's not that we haven't evolved and, and we'll somehow get there if we wait long enough and we evolve. No, in reality, and you know it and you feel it, we're not getting better. We're getting worse. And here is the deal. God is righteous and he is just and he is patient. But The bottom line is, he waited 120 years before. The bottom line is, God is not going to tolerate the situation that we are in in this world forever. He's not. He's going to judge sin. In the past, he used water to bring judgment, salvation to eight souls, the devastating waters of God's judgment. Those eight souls came out alive because they trusted in the promises of God, because they believed God, His promise of rescue. They believed that God would provide a way, a safe place to escape the judgment. They believed this, so they built the ark. They entered the boat. They listened to God. God shut the door, and God bore them safely through water. But I'm telling you, there's another judgment coming, and it won't be by water it won't be by water it'll be by fire it's coming it's coming do you believe this noah and his sons repopulated the earth and here we are again here we are again the whole earth is full of rebellion and bloodshed and sensuality and violence and treachery and deception and murder and misery and suffering full of unrighteousness, but God is not mocked. He has not changed. There's another judgment coming. God is patient. The greater Noah came, and he preached a coming judgment. 2,000 years ago, the greater Noah was Jesus. He preached salvation, and the greater ark The greater ark was there. His own body was the ark. He was there. He was the safe place. He preached 2,000 years ago, and yet judgment is still future, and people mock God and say judgment isn't coming, and I say with Jesus, no, it's not that. It's rather that God is patient, not willing, that any of his people perish and this is the message which Paul preached and I want to take take your Bibles for just a few minutes to Acts 24 turn to Acts chapter 24 it's in your bulletin if you don't want to turn there to save time you can turn to Acts 24 and this is an account about a man named Felix, Felix was a governor and Felix knew Paul pretty well and interacted with the apostle Paul and and Paul called Felix to get into the ark of safety. He called, Paul, uh, he called Felix to get into Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to stop making excuses before it's too late and the door is sealed shut by God. And we're going to see what Felix did in this passage. So turn in your Bibles, if you're not there, to Acts 24 and find verse 17. Acts 24, verse 17. Okay, let's read. Paul is now defending himself. Felix gave him the thumbs up. Okay, Paul, you get to talk now. Defend yourself. So Paul is speaking right now. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings in which they have found me occupied in the temple, having been purified without any crowd or uproar. But there were some Jews from Asia who ought to have been present before you and to make accusation if they should have anything against me. Or else let these men themselves tell what misdeed they found when I stood before the council, other than this one statement which I shouted out while they were standing among them for the resurrection of the dead, I am on trial before you today. What did I do? Paul says. Now look at verse twenty-two. But Felix, Felix, having a more exact knowledge about the way, put them off, saying, "Let's not. Let's see if we can not harm Paul." He put them off, saying, "When Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will decide your case." Then he gave orders to the centurion for him to be kept in custody and yet have some freedom and not to prevent any of his friends from ministering to him. Okay? Verse 24, But some days later Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewess, and sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. But as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened and said, Go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. At the same time, too, he was hoping that money would be given to him by Paul. Therefore, he also used to sin for him quite often and converse with him. But after two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus, And wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul imprisoned. So what did Felix know about Jesus? We're going to just ask and answer some questions in your bulletin. What did Felix know about Jesus? Well, verse 22 says, Felix, having a more exact knowledge about the way, put them off. Felix didn't want Paul to die. Felix wanted to hang out with Paul and talk. He put him off. Felix had a more exact knowledge about the way, capital W. What's the way? That's a knowledge of Christianity. He had a knowledge of... Of Christianity, a more exact knowledge. Enough to know that we don't want to have this guy die, so we put them off. Was he saved yet? Having this exact knowledge about the way? Why not, you ask? What was, question number two, what was keeping Felix from Jesus? What was keeping Felix from Jesus? Look at verse 24, the text tells us. But some days later, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewess, and sent for Paul, and stopped there. Drusilla As you study history, Drusilla, Felix's wife, was apparently extremely beautiful. And Felix was lured, enticed into sin by his own lust. So no matter what, no matter what, he had to have her as his wife. It didn't matter what his conscience screamed at him. So, this was Felix's third marriage, and Drusilla had to abandon her own marriage to become his third wife. All kinds of sexual sin here, illicit marriage and divorce and adultery and all of that, What's keeping Felix from Jesus? Well, there seems to still be a desire in Felix's part to, to, uh, to talk to Paul. So, number three, what did Paul teach Felix about Jesus? What did Paul teach Felix about Jesus? Look again at verse 24, but some days later, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, and sent for Paul... And heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. But as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Stop there. What did Paul teach Felix about Jesus? Well, he was discussing faith in Christ Jesus. Which consisted of some things. Anytime someone shares with you the good news of the gospel, trust me, it ought to start with the bad news. That's what Paul did. If you look at what he talked about, he talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, the bad news. So in the context, he would talk about the righteousness of God. Paul was certainly faithful to tell Felix that he would be judged for his sin with Drusilla. that the God of the universe is calling him to live a life of self-control, that, that God's righteousness demands this. And he taught him that no person had ever met this re, these requirements of the righteousness of God. But if you don't turn from this, you don't realize this, that there's a righteousness of God and you lack it and lack of self-control, there's a judgment coming, those three components, like the waters of the flood covered the earth, it's coming like a flood. You say, man, that's depressing. Did he only talk about the bad news? No, the main thing he talked about was faith in Jesus Christ. That is to say, verse 24 says, he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus, the good news of the gospel. Paul taught him, Felix, how he could pass safely through God's judgment. He would teach Paul, to keep this metaphor alive that we're using, Who would teach Paul, um, Felix. Paul would teach Felix, look, you are a sinner. You can't help yourself. Jesus can rescue you. God's wrath is coming like a flood. There was an ark before, and by faith they hid safely within the boat and passed through the waters of God's judgment to a new earth, to a clean new beginning. And the same can be Jesus is the new ark. You have no hope, but you can hide in him. You can get in him, and that's by faith alone. You can trust in faith in Jesus Christ. You can turn from that, recognize you're evil and that you lack self-control, that you've fallen short of the righteousness of God and put your faith in Jesus Christ, the one who hasn't. Get in the ark of Jesus by faith alone, and Felix, Felix, you can pass through the waters, the waters of God's wrath, safe in Jesus. And instead, Jesus, the waters of God's wrath will pound the flesh, the boards of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he will make it through to the other side. He will rise out of the waters of the wrath of God. And you will be safe in him. Come on, Felix. Trust in Jesus, as one pastor said, "Quotes As the waters beat down upon the ark, with Noah inside, so God's wrath fell upon Jesus' body and soul at Calvary, with his people safely hid in him by faith alone. Certainly, Paul talked about the good news and the bad news, and that Jesus was the rescue from the judgment due to Felix's sin but question number four how did Felix stumble over the gospel how did Felix stumble over the gospel well I'll tell you he did look at 25 but he was discussing righteousness self-control and judgment to come Felix became frightened yeah he became frightened Certainly Paul preached some bad news, as well as the good news. He became frightened and said, "Go away. Go get out of here. I'm done talking. Go away for the present time. And when I find time, and when I find time, I will summon you." He trembled at the bad news of the judgment coming for his own sin. He trembled over it. Felix did not turn from his sin and trust in Jesus. He did not enter the ark of safety. He was frightened and he said, get away. Go away from me for the present. I can't take any more of this. (laughs) When I find time, I'll give you a call. Today is not the day of my salvation. When I find time, when I find time, he was not willing to give up his sin. He was not, he was fixated not just on sexual sin. Verse 26, at the same time too, he was hoping that money would be given him by Paul. Therefore, he also used to send for him quite often and converse with him hoping to take a bribe from Paul to get him out of prison. Same old, same old. Money and lust keep us from Jesus. Same old story. Until I find time. What's your excuse today? Some of you have walked through the doors of this building so many different times. You've heard the good news of Christ. You've heard about the the righteousness of God, the perfection that he demands. You've fallen short of that, and you know that Jesus is the answer, and still you say, go away. When I find the time. Let me tell you, Today is the day when we celebrate salvation and that today is the day for your salvation. Today ought to be the day. There might not be a tomorrow. Today you must believe. Today you must believe. What did Felix do? He kept putting it off. Next time. What happened to Felix in God's providence? Verse 27, But after two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus and wishing to to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul imprisoned. Two years later, the text seems to indicate that he lost his governorship probably because the Jews complained of his bad behavior. He was relieved of his duties. And from all appearances of the word of God, His opportunity to converse with the Apostle Paul came to an end. Time was out for Felix. No benefit for having exact knowledge. No benefit for multiple conversations with the Apostle Paul. When I find the time, he never did. So close. What will you do today? It's such a simple and profound gospel. Jesus, the door is still open to enter into Christ. It is. The door is open. There's only one safe place in the coming judgment. The God man. The righteous one. And if you will enter him by faith, God will seal up the door and you will be safe in him forever through the waters of God's judgment. Do you believe that? Have you trusted in Christ? Today is that day. Don't say what Felix said when I find time. Believe in Jesus. And those who... Stand before you today have testified that they have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and they have entered the ark of safety. Isn't that what you're saying today? Praise God. They testify of that. They don't come into that little pool at 94 degrees to receive some sort of grace from those waters that would then actually save them. No. They testify of a grace already received in their souls by simple faith in the message of Jesus. And they stand before you today to be baptized, to make the good confession of what God has already done, that he saved me. I'm in the ark of Jesus. Let's go in the ark together. Let's walk together in obedience to the Lord's command. So I'm rejoicing this morning. And I'd like you all to remember that what baptism symbolizes. Scott and Amanda, Bob, Karen, Jimmy, Emily, and Jessalyn are being baptized and and this water signifies what the Lord actually did for them when they cried out to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't water amazing? Think about it. That is the judgment of God. They're safe in Jesus. They die with Him. They rise with him to newness of life, safe in him. Can't be drowned by sin. Completely airtight in the ark of Jesus Christ. Not one of your sins and its condemnation can touch you if you are in Christ Jesus. And they go under the water. The substance has already happened. You're free. This is just a, what a picture, but a great picture of it. You go under the water. You die with Christ, right? But you, Jesus rose and you're in him, so you rose and you walk in Christ in newness of life. And they're making that good confession of what has happened to them by faith alone. Just as Romans 6, 4 says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And this is a celebration of this new life that God has granted these seven believers as they turned from their sin and trusted in Jesus. And we're going to rejoice with them that they have promised, by God's grace, to follow him, to follow him. Though none go with me, I still will follow, no turning back. No turning back. Why is this public? Why not just be in front of their family and friends? Because this is a church ordinance. They're saying, I am a believer. Walk with me. Hold me accountable. I want to walk with you. So this is you celebrating the ordinance of baptism again today, dear brother and sister out there. You, too, are committing to these brothers and sisters to walk with them. May God now richly bless our obedience to his word.